Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Have you ever considered building your very own sales playbook? Are you struggling with sales success and accountability in your team? And do you have the feeling that a sales process might be part of that? This episode is brought to you by our latest ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Creating and Managing a Sales Playbook. In it, you'll find a step-by-step model for creating a sales playbook for your business. Go ahead and grab your copy today. You can find the link in today's show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 189. Our theme for the month of September is all about sales playbooks and how they help improve sales processes. Here on the podcast, we're talking to our guests about it, and you can check out criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog for more information and advice for you and your team. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I am speaking to the founder and CEO of Nimble, which is a CRM solution for small to mid-sized businesses. He was also the creator and co-founder of Goldmine Software, the very first CRM system back in the day. And he has won multiple awards over the years, including the Forbes Top 10 Social Salespeople and Forbes Top 10 Social CEOs. So clearly he's got a lot of expertise uh, to share with our listeners. Um, He is based in beautiful, beautiful Santa Monica, California. It is a gray day here in New York, so I'm kind of wishing I was on his side of the country. We are very glad to have you here. Welcome to the show, John Ferreira. Elizabeth, thank you so much for inviting me for a conversation about how we might inspire and educate your audience to do what they do better, smarter, faster. Definitely. And I think um, the name of your company really says that all about being nimble. So I just shared some of the highlights of your bio, but a bio is never really um, who a person is. So I'd love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners, Um, especially I think they would maybe find it interesting to hear about where your passion for business and sales began and some of the key steps along the journey to where you are now. You bet. So I got started down the road in uh, sales and technology through a combination of the two people that inspired me in my life. My dad, who was the number one Lincoln Mercury guy in the country in the 50s and the first Subaru dealer in the 70s, and my uncle, who helped invent radar and microwave at MIT in the 40s. He was president of IEEE and had his own aerospace company. He built the aerospace guidance systems for NASA back in the 60s. And so when I decided what I was going to study, I studied computer science because I wanted to be more like my uncle. The funny thing is I didn't want to be my dad. I didn't want to be in sales. And, uh, but I had to put myself through school and I got a job at a computer land store because I loved computers. And it turned out I was really good at sales. I was making 70 grand a year working part-time going to college in 1982. And, uh, but even so, I, I didn't want to be in sales. When I got my degree, I went and got a job at Hughes Aircraft and worked at Missile Systems and Space Incom and figured out after two years I wasn't a sales guy. And I went and got a job at a startup in Boston, a network operating system. And it was there they put me in sales and I struggled because there wasn't a tool to manage relationships. There was uh, email and there was network scheduling and there was a spreadsheet for my forecast, but there wasn't a tool that integrated email, contact and calendar and sales and market automation. And what I wanted was a tool that enabled all of us in our district office and then back at corporate to be on one page with the people that we were co-engaging with. And I wanted to be able to follow up on the leads and turn them into relationships and ultimately into measurable business opportunities. And I had a spreadsheet. And so uh, after looking around the marketplace and not finding 
any type of tool for managing relationships. There was no Outlook. There was no Salesforce. There was no contact management. There was no CRM. I quit my job in 1989 and started Goldmine. And, uh, and it effectively became uh, Outlook and Salesforce combined before either existed. And that's how I got started in sales and technology. I absolutely love that story because I do think that the best products and services really come from a user beginning to understand what it is that they need, seeing that there's just this gap that exists. And then if you have the ability to actually create that and fill the gap, that's so incredibly powerful. I agree 100%, Elizabeth. I think the best products come from your own need because you're passionate about it and you understand the problem. Definitely. And it's funny because um, obviously we're talking a lot about CRM here. And I mentioned in the intro that our theme this month is why teams need to build a sales playbook. But what I think is really important is, you know, a sales playbook to me is about a repeatable process. It's about having um, best practices and tools and systems in place that you can enable people to successfully sell and taking, um, taking different best practices that different people use and aligning on one process. And so to me, a big part of an effective sales playbook is having an effective CRM system because it's part of your robust, complete sales process. So I think this history of CRM and kind of what you need out of CRM is really important for people to think about as they're thinking about building up a playbook. Because if you don't have both a good CRM platform and the good processes around CRM, you're going to really struggle no matter how good your sales playbook is. So I'd love to get a little bit more into that kind of history of what do you think a CRM should really be for? Well, I think there's a dichotomy about uh, who the CRM is for and what its purpose is. And so if you go back before uh, there was software automation and go back to the original um tools that salespeople use to manage relationships, you really go back to the Rolodex. Um, the Rolodex was a paper-based tool that you either put cards in or you wrote on the cards. And it was your golden database of contacts that you were engaging as a business person. Now, the Rolodex wasn't for management. It wasn't for reporting. It was for relationships and engagement. And the Rolodex eventually evolved into a system called the 6x9 index card. And so what a 6x9 index card is, is a basically it's like an index card and you put the name and, and, and phone number and, uh, and company information on the person, but you also put in the note on the call and the recall date. And then you file the card based off the recall date. And then on each day you have the cards that you should be calling. And that essentially is a playbook of follow up and follow through because it's the basics that wins games. And most people fail because they don't follow up and they don't follow through. They don't take the note, they don't schedule the next action, and then they don't do the next action. But all of that is really designed to help the salesperson build relationships and sell. There is no reporting in that. And that is essentially what uh, Goldmine effectively became was we synthesized the processes that people were doing on paper in spreadsheets and six by nine index cards. And we built that into a software system, but it was really mainly designed for the 
customer facing business team members and not the reporting. In fact, we didn't add reporting into Goldmine until after the first few years. And I think that the core of Goldmine wasn't the CRM reporting system. In fact, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. It actually should stand for Customer Reporting Management because it's really designed for management. And the reason they call it Salesforce, you have to force salespeople to use it. And that's because you work for the CRM, it doesn't work for you and you have to go to it to use it. And so, Goldmine was Outlook and Salesforce combined before either existed, which means at the heart of it was a team relationship manager or contact manager. And then beyond that was the basics of sales pipeline and market automation and little bits of reporting. Then what happened was Outlook came out uh, and it became the contact manager. And then Siebel and Salesforce later came out and they became the CRM. So relationship management got split from CRM and the CRM really began to lean heavily on just the reporting management. And that's why most CRMs fail is because of lack of use. And even if you get people to type data in, then it's bad data. And I think the biggest problem is, is that you have to, you, you, when you give somebody a lead, a sales rep, they have to go Google who that person is or the business about, then that got to go log that in the CRM. And then they got to go out and engage wherever they can. And in the old days, it was email, phone, and fax. And today it's, it's leaning a little bit more on social, but ultimately they go and engage and then they go, got to go back and log what they did. And there's a separation before between engagement and logging. And I think your CRM should automatically log who people are and what the business is about and the history of interactions on email, calendar, and social and let you do the basics, log in the note and schedule in the task. And it should do that where you live, which is in your inbox and now more and more social. Yeah, I, I want to drill down on a lot of the different points that you touched on. I'm going to go back to pretty early when you were talking about kind of before there was CRM and you had that really simple system of literally note cards, and just how powerful that is. And you made a statement that I think people need to remember. And no matter what systems and processes you're introducing it, this the statement is true. It's all about the basics. It is. And we need to enable salespeople to do the basics. Like you said, it's all about, first of all, are they making enough in initial outreach to the right people? And does your system actually enable them to do that? And then second, it's what information do they need to capture that's going to enable them to have a good conversation with that person? And then third, can they identify what the next step is and can the system support them in that next step, reminding them when it is, reminding them what it is, you know, taking the, the notes and the information from the first interaction and presenting them to the salesperson so that they have it. And all of these really basic foundational just building blocks of sales a lot of times we have systems that actually don't support them or even sometimes make it more difficult. Yeah, and what you're talking about, Elizabeth, there is more contact management and not really CRM. There's a lot of contacting that you need to do and relationship building that requ is required in order, to, in order to then eventually qualify and forecast a deal. And so the key things that I think a salesperson should do is to uh, have that initial conversation, log the note on that conversation, and schedule the next task, and then follow up and follow through on the on that on that task, that call, or whatever they're supposed to be doing. And so, uh, the reason why salespeople don't do that is they have to go to the serum to use it, and they have to do all the extra stuff 
of Googling who somebody is and what the business is about, and then logging the information on them and their company. And that's 60% of your sales time. And imagine if you had 60% of your sales time given back to you so you could do more listening, logging a note, and scheduling a task, and contacting more people. You know your numbers would go up. And that's essentially the idea behind Nimble is we want to be able to empower salespeople and not just salespeople, because not just salespeople that build relationships at scale to drive results, to enable business people to dance through life like Fred Astaire. <laughs> I love that. I've got more than two left feet, I think. But um, <laughs> uh, you're right. You think about it. And again, just back to the name of your company, Nimble, you think of just how clunky sometimes things feel when you're just trying to figure out, you know, um, where is an opportunity in the pipeline? Um, who was the last person who had interaction with an existing client? What are the things that are going on there? Um, what are the interactions that are happening? Um, you know, what's going on in the relationship that would be useful to have? And, and so you're, sometimes you're literally going around and asking people because you can't figure it out from CRM. Um, and so to have a system that just enables you to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, um, knowing the right information, that's incredibly powerful. And, and we can just think about how that really enables, like you said, it's not just salespeople, it's professionals. Um, yeah. And let's, effective at let's drill into that for a second, because I think that you touched on something very important, but very subtle. It's not just salespeople that touch the customer. It's multiple people within your organization before and after the sale. And the biggest problem is that salespeople use CRM and then uh, marketing, customer service, and accounting people use all their own systems. And there is no common relationship system that records every interaction so that no matter who picks up the phone, they know who that person is, what their business is about, and the history of interactions that you and the team have had with that person. And that is what's missing in today's CRM is that it's basically designed for salespeople and everybody else lives in their own siloed system. Mm -hmm. And then the operating system of your business is either G Suite or Office 365. And neither of those are good team contact managers. So what's missing in every business is a team relationship manager so that everybody in the company is on one page with that customer. When you call American Express, they know who you are. They know the last time anybody interacted with you because they have systems for that. Today, our systems are siloed. And that's the other thing that we do as a platform is we unify the disparate contacts and conversations from all your systems in your office and can either be your social sales and marketing system or work with your existing social sales and marketing systems. But what we do is we empower everybody in the company to be on one page with their engagement and relationships that they're doing pre and post sale. Definitely. Um, I think we can all remember situations we've had as consumers and as, um, you know, users of tools and, and, and of companies um, where we've called them. I'm definitely thinking of Verizon, I'll have to say, um, as an example, where you call and you give one person information and then they pass you on to somebody else and you have to explain the exact same thing that you just explained to the first person. And then you call back a day or two later and you have to start from the beginning. And we know how frustrating it is on the, on the user side, on the consumer side, when an, in, when an organization doesn't seem to share and track information. Yeah. And but so then we look any, at our organizations and we do it to people. <laughs> so any sales playbook should involve more than just the salespeople. It should involve the entire customer-facing business team members 
that are part of that customer's journey, including sales, marketing, customer service, and accounting, and even product, and even management. Definitely. When we build sales playbooks with our clients, the first step is to create what we call a sales growth team. And it's a cross-functional team, all those different groups that you talked about. But then another important key is that you want to make sure that you're getting people with different levels of experience. And it's the same thing when you're um, implementing any sort of tools when it comes to CRM. You want to think about, you know, does this work for my most experienced reps as well as for my brand new hires? Um, Does this support the, the different teams that are involved, like you said? And a lot of times we get so so focused in on kind of one way of doing things and just looking from one perspective. And we don't really think about all the different constituencies that might be impacted. Yeah. And, and then the other thing I, I want to talk about is the tool stack, the tool deck, the sales stack that is required to empower uh, salespeople. So today you need to buy more than a CRM in order to empower your sales reps to engage if you think about it, the market automation system is like a, a bomber ba- bombing the battlefield at scale. But then once you get a lead qualified to win the war, you got to put boots on the ground. That's a salesperson. And the salesperson needs uh, a map, which is sales intelligence. Who is this person and what is their business about? And what's their contact info? And then they need a rifle, which is an engagement tool. And they can't use the Marketo or market automation system. They need something that's designed for templated email sequenced trackable emails that they could go ahead and engage with. And if you think about the cost of the CRM, Salesforce is about $135 per user per month. Outreach IO is $135 per user per month. And then LinkedIn Sales Navigator or Discover or Raintree is about a hundred and something per user per month. So you're talking about $400 per user per month that you need to uh, spend in order to arm the modern salesperson. And then these tools don't even talk to each other. So you can't Mm -hmm. print off of the Salesforce record with the Outreach IO record based off who that person and what their business is about. And uh, so basically the sales reps don't end up using it. And then you have to hire a sales administrator to run all that. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with the modern sales process. And I think that 99% of the business out there can't afford the, the costs and complexities of the modern sales stack. And that's the other reason we call it Nimble is because we blend CRM, sales intelligence, and sales enablement email tracking into one singular system. Definitely. I, I cannot say how many clients we have and how many people I've talked to who have so many different systems that salespeople are supposed to be using. And then they need to build up an entire sales enablement team. And half of their job is just trying to learn all these different systems so that they can help all the salespeople. And then you've got salespeople spending tons of time and effort trying to learn different systems, literally exporting information out of one system and into another and putting it into Excel and all these steps. Am I paying a salesperson, you know, a salary plus giving them all their commission and have all these targets for them. And then they're sitting there for hours just manipulating data. And is that really what you want your salespeople to be doing? Well, Elizabeth, think about the average salesperson. And I can say this because I was in sales. They're, they're, not, they're, they're in it because they love relationships and engagement. They're people people. And they're not necessarily technologists. They didn't necessarily 
graduate with a technology degree. They graduated typically with a business degree. And if you've been in school, you know engineering people, you know um, uh, physics people, you know English people, and then there's the business people. And you don't want to ask people to do things that they're not necessarily qualified or interested in doing. It's a recipe for disaster. And so that's why I think that you want to simplify your systems and simplify your sales prop playbook as much as possible to ensure sales success. Definitely. And, you know, there, there are salespeople who are super techie and who, who come from that background and are, and are maybe interested in that. And that's perfectly fine. But we do have to work for the broadest common denominator mm-hmm. and really thinking about, um, are we making things easy for our team? Because even if somebody's really techy, you know, and you've got somebody who, who enjoys the computer stuff, again, that's not what you're paying them for. You're not paying a sales rep to sit in front of a computer trying to like export things and, and manipulate them in Excel. You're paying them to be talking to people and engaging with people and um, and communicating with them and, and developing that relationship. And, you know, the more friction you put into the process, the more steps there are, the more areas where things could go wrong, the more time you're literally taking people away from the key elements of selling that they should be doing. Amen. And and then the other thing I want to talk about is the value of your brand and your network on your ability to become the trusted advisor of your prospect, your customer, and ideally the, the influencer as well. And I think it's critically important to set yourself up so that not only do your prospects and customers pick up the phone and call you, but they drag their friends with them. Because ultimately, I think we're all tired of the cold call and we want a warm call or ideally inbound calling from our uh, constituents. And this is the playbook that I've come up with. I call it the five E's of social selling. And the way that you do that is you educate, enchant, engage, embrace, and empower your customers. And it's simply a formula for giving your knowledge away. Most salespeople have gotten more about their products and services than their customers will ever know in their lifetime. And if they simply gave their knowledge away on a daily basis, it'd be like dripping digital fishing lures in the social river so that they would then be top of mind with their customers so that their customers would begin to see them, the salesperson, as a trusted advisor as opposed to a salesperson because I think that service is the new sales, that people don't want to be sold. They won't want to be bagged and tagged. They want to buy a better version of themselves. I often say that people don't buy great products. They buy a better version of themselves. So you should be selling people a better version of themselves. And how do you do that? You do that by giving your knowledge away. Most business people, salespeople, typically consume information in and around the areas of promise of their products and services because they're passionate about their their business. And so they might, in, like I basically read about social sales and marketing and entrepreneurship on a regular basis. And what I do with articles that inspire me is I share them. I sh- put them on my identities. So I've gone out and set up identities in all the places where my prospects and their customers and their influencers have conversations about making buying decisions and building relationships Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, etc. And I put in a great avatar, a great background, a great bio. And then what I do is I put great content in there. And typically I don't write that content because I'm a math computer science major. I'm not, I didn't major in English. I don't like to write. And so I find content from people that inspire and educate me. Typically it's an influencer of my prospect in and around the areas of promise, my products and services. 
so thought leaders in social sales and marketing and entrepreneurship. And then what I do is I hashtag the category, pound sales, pound marketing, pound entrepreneurship, and attribute their name, uh, at Brian Solis or whoever it is, and then I share that on those identities. And then I do that in the morning, say about a half hour, 40 minutes a day. And then the afternoon I listen for people engaging and I turn those connections into conversations and ultimately into relationships that drive my results. And I'll give you a, a story about the journey of that. So uh, a while back, there was a gal named uh, Tiffany Bova, who happens to be a spokesperson for Salesforce, she used to be a, a Gartner analyst for CRM, and she was basically saying something to the effect of CRM isn't about uh, 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 CRM is about empowering customer-facing business team members to engage. And somebody said, "Bullshit! It is about command and control. When are sales managers going to loosen their grip? And isn't this what John Ferrar has been teaching and building with Nimble?" And so Nimble listens to people talking about me, my team, or my brand, and then applies big data on those people to surface people with high reach and relevance of people that match the DNA of people I should connect with. So Nimble told me I should go and listen and engage in this conversation. And because Nimble is a plugin in your Chrome browser, it enabled me to bring Nimble into that conversation where I was able to automatically build a record on that person. And Nimble basically then built this record and told me that he was a head of data and serum at Disney. Well, it not only told me that, but it also gave me his phone number and email. And I was able to more effectively respond appropriately in the thread in Twitter. But then I was I decided I was going to engage with him. And because of the way he talked about me, he gave me permission to email him because he talked about me so intimately. So I emailed him and said, thank you. And I detailed why uh, what I was talking about. And then he sent me a LinkedIn invite. And what happens is Nimble then followed me from Twitter into email, into LinkedIn invite, into LinkedIn messaging, where I learned that he not only lived in my town, but his daughter goes to my school. And I believe that the more digital we get, the more human we need to be. And I was able to take that relationship from the LinkedIn conversation into a face-to-face -face breakfast that weekend where he shared his passion and dreams for about a half hour. We became fast friends. And now Disney is a customer and he's an evangelist for Nimble out there in the world. And that is the way that modern salespeople need to engage to build their brand, become trusted advisor, become top of mind and to empower their customers to inbound call them and for them to be able to take these soft connections and to firm them up as a shift from the soft places to the firm places like email and calendar. But ultimately to complete that, you need to bring that into places like Facebook and Instagram because I believe in the five Fs of life, which is family, friend, food, fun, and fellowship. This is how we build intimate relationships and LinkedIn's more like my business lobby. So you need to take those LinkedIn relationships into the more personal things of like Facebook and Instagram to maintain uh, relationships beyond the business level. And that is my formula for uh, building yourself as a trusted advisor, staying top of mind, and getting your prospects, customers, and their influencers to call you. That is such a powerful story. And I love that you shared that example because I think a lot of times salespeople are getting the message, you should be doing a social selling. And so what they think that means is I should be spending time in social platforms, but they've not really been told, how do you, first of all, what, what is the best thing to do when you're there? And second, how do you then take that social time and translate it into 
the actual selling, the actual relationship building. And I think a lot of times people stay too long on the social side and they're, you know, you, you end up just kind of exchanging interactions with people. And your example of kind of taking it to a real interaction relatively early, I think is a great example of how the social part is just a way of kind of getting that initial connection. But then you want to actually turn it into a more traditional, like you said, we have all the social technology. Now we need to focus on relationship and focus on the personal. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful story. So that was my social selling playbook. (laughs) I absolutely love that. All right. Now, we've been talking a little bit about history, but you're kind of leading it into what we do now. But I know you're also just a really big thinker about CRM, and it's something that you obviously have a lot of expertise in. I'd love to hear what you see as the future of CRM and what you see as coming up next. Well, I think that the biggest problem with CRM is that you work for it. It doesn't work for you and you need to go to it to use it. You Google people before meetings, then you got to go log in, then you go engage wherever you go, and then you got to go back to the CRM to use it. And I think that CRM isn't designed for the modern uh, social selling playbook that I just described. And so I think that CRM is really designed for the old fashioned, I'm going to make 50 calls from my desk and pound people, I'm gonna bag and tag people. And that's the old enterprise idea of selling. And I think that service is the new selling, that sales is a four letter word. And I think that our CRMs should be designed around relationships and not around reporting, that the reporting will happen based off the productivity of the salesperson. And I think that CRMs should be designed for customer facing business team members engagement. So towards that, I think that the modern CRM should work for you by building itself and then work with you everywhere you work. It should do the 60% of the work that you have to do today so you could do maximize your time uh, engaging, listening, logging, and following up and following through. But to do that, I think that you need to emphasize the application of big data and social and AI in order to have the CRM think for you and uh, and enrich those contacts and then enable you to segment them and engage intelligently and then be able to surface people um, for you to connect with at the right time in the right place. And that's what the story I shared with you where I was engaging with that person from Disney, where that was the application of social uh, big data and AI to empower me to then go and engage in that conversation and convert that into a measurable uh, business outcome. And I, so I think that the modern future of CRM is it's going to shift back to more of a relationship platform. I think it's going to shift into a team platform. I think that it's going to take a lot of the burden off you and do the work for you. And I think it's going to work with you wherever you're working because you need to be where you're engaging with customers. Most of us spend most of our time in email and now social and then face to face. And so your system should do all that for you. But ultimately, you should be able to build a set of people that you've been successful with before and then have AI build a model that finds net new people that you might already have in your database or suggest net new people. I think that we waste time on unqualified people and companies and that there's patterns that could be developed through AI that can go and look at the people that you've sold to historically, the people that have, that have responded most effectively to your marketing campaigns, the people that um, that are that basically buy the most and stay the longest. All of these are signals that could be applied in AI models to then look at a lead and qualify them for you before you even make a phone call. 
And so I think that the future of CRM is about relationship management, focusing on empowering the customer facing business team members, leaning heavily on big data, AI and social and mobile. I, I really love that. And I think, um, as you're talking about that, each of those things are key pain points that I've heard so many of our clients talking about, just um, especially over the last few years. Um, I think especially the big data piece, I see so many organizations that are really struggling to know what information should we be capturing. And then they're capturing sometimes a lot more information than they really even know what to do with. And then you have entire companies, entire platforms that are just really trying to figure out how can we make intelligent decisions based on this information as opposed to just kind of looking at this big slog of information and not really knowing what to do with it? Well, the data is there for us to, for you to make great decisions. But the problem is, is that they're all in silos. So you have data in sales, marketing, mm-hmm. customer service, accounting, and then your contact platform. And they're, um, before Nimble, there wasn't a tool that unified all that data and those contacts and then applied big data, AI, and social to it to make sense out of it. And that's kind of what we're doing. And it's also one of the reasons why Microsoft just signed a global reseller agreement with us. And they're bundling Nimble with Office 365 globally. And we've evolved into the simple serum for Office 365 and G Suite and uh, effectively repeating history that Goldmine made because that's how Goldmine got to $100 million a year in revenue was by becoming the simple serum for small business server. And we're kind of replicating history, which is so fun. That is a really exciting thing. And I'm excited to to hear more about that. All right. Um, I have absolutely loved this conversation about CRM. And I feel like um, you are just a goldmine. To, um, <laughs> to be a little funny, but uh, of information about CRM. I know you are uh, a reader and you like to learn more about just kind of different trends that are going on in business. What are some of the favorite sales or business growth or CRM related books that you've read recently that you'd love to share with our audience? So there is a great book uh, by David Merriman Scott called The New Rules of uh, Sales and Service. He also wrote the book, uh, The New Rules of, um, of PR and Marketing. Uh, and also um, uh, Paul Greenberg, who wrote the Bible on uh, CRM, he has a new book uh, out that essentially it, uh, talks about the, uh, the next level of, uh, of CRM. And, uh, and it's really about engagement. And uh, so I definitely would read anything that Paul Greenberg has written. Um, and then there's the, uh, there's the basics. And the, the basics are um, the Dale Carnegie, Zig Ziglar uh, mm-hmm. books, uh, Napoleon Hill. Uh, most of the people I know that retired at 40 like I did uh, read Think and Grow Rich. And, uh, and, and basically that's sort of a Bible for, um, for, uh, for success in life. I think that it it really boils down to the three P's. What is your passion? What's your plan to achieve it? And, um, and, and are you making that your purpose on a daily basis? And I think that the people that do that, uh, will change the world. And, um, and so, if you haven't read uh, Napoleon Hill, uh, Think and Grow Rich, you should definitely uh, read that book today. Definitely. Um, it's always interesting to me that when I ask that question of all of our guests, because I do think it's important um, for people to 
to you know find out about new and interesting books. Um, and we speak to people with all, all these different perspectives and different um, roles who are reading different things. We do hear a lot of interesting new books and, and new things that have come out, but still those foundational books, you know, how to win friends and influence people and think and grow rich, um, those come up over and over and over again. Because as I think we've we've talked about really multiple times through our conversation today, yes, some things are changing. And there are ways we communicate with people now that we didn't used to be able to communicate with people. But the foundations of why we're communicating and, and how we're interacting with people um, in terms of just the kinds of conversations that we're having, those really don't change. And the foundations of selling in a lot of ways are the same as they always have been. And so going back to those basics is so important. Well, I want to address that briefly. I think that if you go back 100 years ago, we all lived in a small village and our brand was built on the promises that we make and the experience that we deliver. What happened was mass manufacturing drove everybody from those small towns into the cities in order to start manufacturing stuff at scale. And then we built so much stuff that we had to hire fuller brush door-to-door salespeople to go pound on people's doors and sell the excess brushes that we were creating. And then we weren't selling enough that way. So we developed madman marketing and it started to be yelling about how great our products and services were and drive them into the stores. And I think that that's what gave sales of uh, a four letter word. And I think that social media is increasing the transparency and expectations of the way they work, play, buy and sell and the ways that customers uh, expect interactions. And I think we're becoming a small village again. And I think that that relationships are becoming uh, critical again. And I think that to, our tools today aren't really, haven't shifted fast enough to uh, address that. And so I think that there's a higher purpose to sales than making your number and bagging a customer. I think that that your intention as a salesperson should be to serve that person, even if it means in to recommend a competing product. Because if you help that person, they will think of you in the future. And so Mm-hmm. Salespeople should be compensated not on the sale, but on the success of the customer over time. And if that was really the focus, I think that we'd have more success and retention of customers. Absolutely. Something that we often say here is um, sales should be about the long-term relationship, not one individual opportunity. And so it's a lot better to lose a piece of business, but maintain relationship and maintain trust with somebody than to be, you know, fighting so hard just to win that one piece of business and creating a toxic relationship or damaging the relationship moving forward. And I think so often um, we as leaders need to really work on the incentives that we're giving to our teams and make sure that we're incentivizing the right behavior, like you said, through compensation, through the way that we manage so that we're really empowering our salespeople to build that trust, to build that relationship, not be so focused on, you know, I've got to, I've got to win an individual piece of business. And, and the other thing is, is that I remember when I was a systems engineer where I would support the salesperson in pre and post sales uh, situations, in many cases, I made the sale happen and I made the sale stick. Uh, because I went and figured out the technology integrations that are required to get the sale to happen. And then I made it work and made it stay. And then the salesperson would go and shove a $250,000 commission check in my face and said, ha ha. And, uh, and and so when I, when I built Goldmine, I compensated the whole team on the company's success and the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think that any sales playbook should involve 
compensation across the entire customer facing business team, not just sales, but uh, product and marketing and support. Definitely. Um, You end up with those silos and resentment and a lot of difficulty between teams when people feel like the salespeople kind of sweep in at the end and I'm doing all the work and they're making, you know, the, the big checks. And it's really important to make sure that your team if you, if you need team selling, which most organizations do, that your compensation really supports that. All right. Um, now here, let's talk sales. One of our big themes and one of the ways that we always want to add value to our listeners is making sure that we give them actionable best practices and tools and tips that they can apply to their lives. Is there an actionable tip that you would recommend for our listeners today? Well, I think the biggest uh, tip I can give to any person is to listen to other people. Give them the gift of your presence and, uh, and your listening because they'll tell you everything that you need to know in order to add value to uh, them or their company. And I think that salespeople too often want to get into their pitch mm-hmm. and talk about their products and services. And I think that, like I said earlier, people don't buy great products. Uh, they, they don't buy great products. They buy better versions of themselves. And you can't know how to sell somebody a better version of themselves unless you know them and their company. And so spend more time listening than talking and then address that person's needs. And if you do that, you will win. I absolutely love that. That is, that is so powerful. And like you said, I think so many people fall into the trap of listening for an opening for them to say what they want to say, as opposed to really listening to what somebody is saying and not thinking up your response, not trying to figure out how do you, how do you make your, your cliche statement, but really, really paying attention and caring about the person. So incredibly powerful. All right. Well, I have loved our conversation today, John. Um, Thank you so much for taking this time. If you want people to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? Well, you could easily just Google me, J-O-N-F-E-R-R-A-R-A, and, uh, and you can find whatever place that you feel comfortable connecting on. All of my places show up on the first page. And I recommend that you Google yourself because people will Google you in the future. And if you don't show up on the first page, ideally with at least a couple of your identities, then you need to work on that. Uh, and, and you can make that happen by just building better identities and sharing content more regularly and engaging in an authentic and relevant way. Uh, but, uh, but to make it easy, my email is jon at nimble.com. So there, there it is. All right. That was a second very valuable, actionable tip for our listeners. So thank you for that today, John. All right. Um, I really appreciate John being here. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. Elizabeth, I have one last thing. Yes. Um, If if you do decide to go to nimble.com and try Nimble out, um, it's a free two-week trial, no credit card required. If, if it resonates with you and you want to use it, and it could be used with your existing CRM like Salesforce Dynamics or whatever you use, or it could be your CRM on top of Office or G Suite, we'll give you 40% off your first three months if you use the code JOHN40, J-O-N-40, before you put in your credit card. That is an excellent code. We will make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you, John. You bet. (laughs) All right. And so for all of our listeners, you can find those notes and all the resources that we've been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 189. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have a roundtable discussion where we're going to be talking about sales playbooks and sales success. 
In the meantime, check out Friday's inspirational episode where Ariana is going to be sharing a great quote about sales playbooks. As a reminder, if you have any feedback for us, topics, questions, potential guests you'd like us to talk to, you can reach us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please, please, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening today. And while you're there, leaving a rating or a review will help more people find the show and it lets us know what's working and when we have room to improve. Remember to follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, and me, Elizabeth Reckon. Happy selling!